It's almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the back. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Bachelor final, Jason Jones from Mothership and Dairy South Soccer. Some of the time. Jeff Patrick, 99 the game, Dairy South Soccer all the time is over there. Jeff Patrick, that was like the single best sports weekend in Georgia oh my sports <laughs> history. I think let, let, let's go through it here. Uh, Atlanta United obviously wins, wins 2-0 over Toronto. Uh, the Braves win two walk-off games, right? In the NLCS against the Dodgers. The Falcons did not play win for everybody. <laughs> Georgia Tech couldn't hurt anybody. UGA did win. Uh, man, that was a uh, that was nice. That was just a good. I feel I feel exhausted, but but refreshed after everything that happened this weekend. And I'm feeling good. How about you? It was wild. I mean, I was watching the Atlanta United game from the Braves press box as they were playing the Dodgers <laughs> in the NLCS. It was just nuts. It was a nuts sports weekend, but that's kind of what I live for. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of other people. So it was awesome. Um, so exciting. And it's weird how the Braves and Atlanta United are both kind of mirroring each other's seasons where mm-hmm. they had these like re- it was like a real struggle bus at the, during the first half of the season. And both are, you know, getting really hot. Well, the, obviously, the Braves are now in contention to win a championship, but Atlanta United's right there with them. You know, I mean, it, they are, they've been sneaky, sneaky good. Uh, we've got a story coming out. Actually, it just would have posted about five minutes ago from when we're recording right now. Um, just kind of pointing out Atlanta's form. Mike Conti tweeted about it, which is mm-hmm. what it's all based off of. But um, really incredible and kind of has I, Atlanta's just flown under the radar, I think, partly because the East is so close and they're just kind of jumbled up with all those other teams. So they kind of haven't been noticed, but it's been really exciting. And I think that there's a lot in store. Yeah, just to color the, the entire episode, really, with with this uh, tweet from Mike, who did the research on this um, MLS points earned since August 1st. New England is first with 30 points. Atlanta second, 28 points. That's ahead of Portland, Colorado, Vancouver uh, points per game since August 1st. New England also first, but Atlanta right there in second ahead of Seattle and Portland and a very, very hot Vancouver team. Right. Um, So uh, over the last couple months, this has been the second best team in the league. Pretty simply. Yeah, that that streak starts with you remember the two two draw in Montreal. Um, Mm -hmm. Joseph and Barco, I think, scored in that one. They went down Mm -hmm. and then they came back and and drew that. That's kind of the that was the result that started that string. Then they had that three three two win, I think, against Columbus and all that. So kind of in the middle of Rob Valentino's tenure, which I think kind of lines up with, I think, how we have felt about this team when they've started to turn turning around. So, yeah, really exciting. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Also beautiful is the song Chances by Kurt Castle. That's our intro music. That's your Kurt stuff. On Spotify, if you're looking for even more content about the second best team in the league over the past two and a half months, <laughs> go ahead and check out patreon.com slash five chart final. Get interviews up there with all sorts of personalities from around MLS. We've got some older stuff. You want to go back and listen to, to interviews with like Anton and George Campbell and other folks who have made an impact this year. Maybe a, a surprising impact considering that they were put on our show yeah. at the beginning of the year. Right. <laughs> like, no kidding. He, he, we'll just, we'll just give them these guys. And then they uh, turned out to be kind of big contributors. Um, uh, a whole lot of good stuff there. Um, 
I want to go back and listen to the Darren interview. Don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that would be interesting. I, I would love to hear where our minds were at and where his mind was at at the beginning of the year, but a whole bunch of stuff there, more stuff coming your way, especially as we creep closer towards the playoffs uh, this week. Uh, keep an eye out for a recap, uh, a show similar to the normal show after NYCFC. That one's happening on Wednesday. So we won't do the full recap. Um, for that until later but we'll go ahead and get one out this week so you guys have some stuff to feast on after the game that's patreon.com slash five stripe final join over 190 something people in on this thing at this point uh come join us it's a lot of fun and you can join the world famous five stripe final discord and joe i think you have something else coming up as well on the, the patreon yeah, I'm going to be talking, doing kind of a, a recap on Atlanta United 2 with Greg Gowder. You may, everyone else may know him as Film Fan, which is his avatar or, uh, as a writer for Dirty South Soccer covering um, all the Atlanta United 2 stuff. So I figure no better person to kind of uh, recap everything with than him, uh, who can kind of give us a rundown on all the prospects. And he's he knows them kind of inside and out better than anybody. So uh, looking forward to that as well. That will be for our, our $10 and up patrons. And just, you know, you mentioned the, the total amount of patrons that we I mean, I mean, thank you so much to everybody who's kind of joined this ride with us this year. It's been uh, a very rewarding experience. I think I can speak for both of us saying that just in terms of the the community that's been built in the discord or even just the messages that we get from time to time uh, into the Patreon account. Um, we're just really grateful for everybody. We're grateful for everyone. And we're grateful that it's business time. It's business. It's business time. time joe patrick and a quick piece of business to get to right quick joseph martinez reportedly back in training is that from this morning joe patrick well that is for i mean gonzalo pineda said that he expected joseph to be training when he was when he did his post-game press conference after toronto so um he can train with some staffers when the team is away. So uh, I assume that, you know, he's been doing that. I have not been out to training. I don't know if there's been media availability this week ahead of NYCFC. There probably is today. today I would assume. Yeah. Right yeah. now. Wow. Um, <laughs> so we are not look there. at us. Look at us. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah. So apparently he's been training and I hope he's ready to go. I've seen him a couple times at the Braves games. In fact, I saw, I walked right <laughs> past him and kind of, um, just like said hi for a second as we were passing each other uh, in the corridor at Tourist Park the other day. <laughs> was there any glint of recognition in his eye? Uh, no, I think he no. was like, who the hell is this person? Right, he probably cool. just assumed I was like some fan because I'm sure people shout <laughs> Joseph at him all the time. Now, it was, it was kind of funny. He was just like totally he was like walking pretty much by himself. There was like one other person kind of with him, but the whole the whole corridor was completely empty and he was just walking there quietly looking at his phone. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, he looks good and I would assume that he would be, if he's training, I think he'll probably be playing on Wednesday. Uh, but we'll I talk think, more about that later. I think we need to talk a little bit more about sure. that for sure, because we got to talk about, um, how much we want Joseph to play considering that the next game is against an NYCFC team that has not scored Joe Patrick in 419 minutes. That's insane. You have scored as many goals as NYCFC in the last 419 <laughs> minutes of NYCFC soccer. You too, dear listener, you have. And just um, after the first minute of Wednesday's game, it will be 420 minutes since they've scored. Just a little neat. landmark. Well, just a little landmark to watch out for. Yeah, for sure. 
For sure. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, they're going to be struggling. You have uh, a game coming up against, uh, of course, Red Bulls, too, which is going to be shockingly difficult now. But they've they can't really score either. It, it, it's not really a thing where I feel like you need Joseph to be there to make the playoffs. I think you can do it without him. It would be easier with him. <laughs> right. But I think this team can clearly still do it without him, considering just how easy the rest of the schedule is over the next and final five games. That, that's that's kind of my initial thought on it. Yeah, I mean, I think that they could for sure. Like, I, I think that this team is good enough. They could get in the playoffs and he, yeah, like you could probably get in without him playing. Um, you probably wouldn't have the record that you would with him playing, but you would still probably be good enough to get in. Um, I would say, though, that if you look at the schedule, you've got a game Wednesday and then after there's no game this weekend. But there's Mm -hmm. so there's a Wednesday game today. Then you have a week off before another Wednesday game next week against Inter Miami. And then starting with that Wednesday is Wednesday weekend, Wednesday weekend to the end of the season. So I think it actually makes sense to not play Joseph in back to back games through the end of the season. So since you have a couple more midweek than weekend games, um, I think an opportunity to rest him might be. So if you're looking at this week, you've got NYCFC. I think he's going to play, but then next week you've got two home games again on the turf, which he's kind of alluded to the, that can, you know, add extra stress onto the knee. Uh, you've got inter Miami and Toronto at home. I think you can probably rest him for the Toronto game. The only thing with this is that I think there's some pressure on the club to play him in front of the home fans. You know, it's kind of a part of the draw, right? So, but I hope that he does not play in that Toronto game. That would be the one that I, that I point to because you've got NYCFC, then you have a full week before the inner Miami game. So he should be able to play in that one, but I would Mm -hmm. not want him playing like a couple days later on the weekend on the turf again. So um, that would be one. I think you could hold him out. Uh, Then you could probably play him on the next Wednesday if you want and then you could even rest him for the decision day against Cincinnati. So yeah. and, and it all will all depend on the context of where Atlanta United is in the table and what kind of opportunities they have, uh, especially as we get closer to the those last couple games of the season. So we'll see what happens there. But I mean, I agree with you that they can afford to rest him in some spots. And I think that they should. For sure. For sure. And against maybe Inter Miami and Toronto, especially could be two teams that, you know, you just you just frankly don't need. You could use your USL team and give a pretty good shot at this mm-hmm. point, right? And the USL <laughs> team isn't very good. Um, yeah. it, it's rough there right now. Just to kind of recap, we had a request from, I believe, Chris F. in the Discord. who says a request, but for those of us who've been distracted by the international break, Braves, college football, et cetera, can we get a quick rundown of the rest of the conference? Who's playing well, notable games left, et cetera. Um, Want to run through that real quick just to give some context for Atlanta. Is Atlanta United is in fifth place in the Eastern Conference on 42 points. Sixth place is D.C. Uh, and Montreal, both have 41 points. And Montreal is technically in the seventh spot there, which is the playoff cutoff right behind them, though, uh, with 40 points, NYCFC and now Red Bulls, who have matched them and who are very much in playoff contention after an incredible string of games here for Red Bull. So Atlanta United is essentially two points away from being all the way in ninth place. However, they're also three points away from hosting a home playoff game. Orlando City is right above them with 45 points. Philadelphia, 46 points. Nashville, 48 points, right? 
Mm -hmm. Um, So it is extremely cluttered. Atlanta United is quite literally right in the middle of it right now. However, I do love that if the season ends today, the first round matchup would be Orlando City versus Atlanta Mm. United, which would uh, which would generate some eyeballs and some flame wars and all the good things we Mm -hmm. love about that. It would also produce a uh, a talking point, a a stick to hang over the other team's head for probably like a good decade. Right. Whoever wins that (laughs) game, which would be beautiful. Yeah, it'd be beautiful. Um, So still a whole lot to play for. It's not like they can just kind of mail it in. The good news is, again, this is the easiest schedule out of any team remaining and any team fighting for a playoff spot. It's just, uh, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there. And you could find yourself on the outside looking in. That kind of sum it up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, that sums it up. We'll we'll have more to discuss kind of on playoffs and things like that uh, a little bit later on. We have a question uh, in the discord from the discord uh, about Mm -hmm. that. So we'll have we'll talk more about that. But that was a good breakdown. Thank you, Sam. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thanks to Kyle Soto, by the way, for a piece you wanted to talk about, Joe. Yeah. On at Dirty South Soccer. Well, he did a lot. Of, he did great work. He, he did some interviews with the club from uh, Matt Lowry, the, the academy director, to um, some players, George Campbell. I know he talked to just about the 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 academy kind of finally not. To, I don't want to say finally, but just they're, you know, bearing fruit, essentially, both for the club. And we've seen George Bello playing for the U.S. men's national team in the in during these World Cup qualifiers, hugely important games. Miles Robinson, not an academy player, but also kind of, you know, clearly been developed uh, at Atlanta United since they drafted him uh, back in 2017. So just some, you know, really great stuff and and more to more to come. You know, we obviously everybody knows about George Bello, but George Campbell Obviously, coming up through that system, I think he's going to be a really, really good player, both for club and I think for he'll play for his country as well uh, eventually. And there's more and more. We'll talk with uh, about some more of those guys when uh, we do the show with Gray Gowder uh, to talk about who might uh, be the next ones to kind of come up through this homegrown pipeline for Atlanta United. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of spotlight that and uh, great work from Kyle there doing that story. So, uh, yeah, I encourage everybody to go out there and read it under South soccer. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Kyle. Good work. And good work to Atlanta United, who got a 2 nothing win over Toronto. We're going to talk about that right now in Sports Prime. Game time. Sports time, game time. Sports time, game time. Sports prime, game time. Sports Prime Game Time, Sports Game Prime Time. Sports Prime Game Time, Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time, Sports Prime Game Time. Sports Prime Game Time, Sports Prime Game Time, yeah. Sports Prime Game Time, Joe Patrick, we're going to two, another play, Mojo's Martinez for this one. He was quite literally not watching this one. He was at the Braves game. <laughs> I don't blame him. I, I laughed with like, I'm watching the game in the press box and Joseph Martinez is like down there, uh, you know, <laughs> that he was spotlighted on like the Jumbotron at the Braves game. <laughs> Incredible. But, uh, which Incredible. I'm sure probably some people got mad about. Like, he's not watching the team? But no, like, come on, give him a break. Give him a break. He'll he'll watch it on replay when he gets home or something. If he watches it at all, for sure, he'll go win you the damn (laughs) right. Yeah, he'll just go win you a little bit, right? You know, (laughs) it's fine. Everyone, calm down. Um, Atlanta's first goal comes uh, stoppage time in the first half. Uh, George Bello 
has a nice little give and go with Zeke on the left side. And George Bellow in general had a very good final 65 minutes or so mm. of the game because the first 35 minutes or so for Atlanta United were very, uh, Matt Doyle called it Heinze brain is what they looked like <laughs> they had for the first 35. And I, I understood exactly what he meant. There was a lack of movement. There was a, a real lack of um, quick decision making, I guess, yeah. in the final third, especially just a total kind of like apathetic, passive approach to, to playing balls in the box and getting numbers in the box. And it was very frustrating. George was a culprit with this at one point. And I remember getting angry with him because he had a chance to play a first time ball. He slowed down, stopped, allowed the defense to get set, played a pass back. And Lady United immediately gave the ball away, right? Because they allowed everyone to get set, even though he had to run in behind. So that was frustrating for a little bit, but it all got better, I think, in the end. Well, it was worrying. You point to those early minutes, the first half hour or so. It was frustrating because it really just kind of looked like another Atlanta United road performance where if you, you know, we talk about their good form, but they still have struggled on the road. And it's just frustrating because it seems like you know the issues that you're having on the road and they still like were coming out and playing in a very similar kind of frustrating way. But in, to their credit, they did end up turning it around. And um, I, I do just want to kind of highlight one thing about this, about George Bello and Ezekiel Barco as it relates to this goal that they scored. But I really think that that relationship between those two players specifically has been one of the defining kind of partnerships among players on this team, especially when you look at this the, the, this great run that we've mentioned since August 1st, um, they play really well together. They they know the runs that each other wants to make. They they put in great balls. And um, when they're playing in a back three like they have been, George Bellows essentially playing like a winger and they're, you know, interplaying beautifully over there. So I really think that that's been a relationship that has been hugely important to Atlanta United success here that they've had in the second half of the season. And it was less noticeable when Gabriel Heinze was the manager. Like it just didn't seem like. Like, um, at least from what I remember, that Bella was interplaying with his teammates as much like he was still getting forward at times, but he was really hugging the touchline and just kind of being more of an outlet more than an actual threat attacking going in. So uh, it's just been really great to see those two players kind of combine in general from game to game. And obviously it, it uh, paid dividends for Atlanta United in this one. Yeah, I mentioned the interplay. I didn't even mention the end result. The ball comes to Luis Arujo, <laughs> yeah. who shoots i think <laughs> um it wasn't it wasn't intentional or pretty but the ball kind of loops it was over uh the goalkeeper he both he both scuffed it and scuffed it off of his plant foot which gave it the elevation the lift that he needed <laughs> perfect i mean yeah, yeah, they chip, as that's, that's the kind of talent we've been missing in this team i've been saying I was that. totally lucky but that's that. the kind of goal you score in in rec you know mm-hmm. classic rec league oh, yeah. goal. So I, and, and i have and I have, and I will continue to do so for sure. For sure. But I like um, how he, he was like, you know, I, I've hit so many good shots that haven't gone in this year that uh, I deserve that one to, to, to go in. So credit to exactly. him. He definitely did. He definitely line. did. Um, Toronto deserved these hands later in the game. <laughs> Joe Patrick. That's what I'm going to say. A weird, weird thing happened. Joe Patrick, I am not entirely sure still exactly what happened it looked like there was a hard foul on zeke at some point during the game him and uh, i think it was aro got into a little bit of a, a tiff a little bit of a spat they were yeah. having with each other a stern conversation and they 
put their faces real close to each other, which I never understand why that's the move. <laughs> yeah. To just like forehead on forehead action somebody so you know you're serious, I guess. And you can't do that. You can't put your head in at any point. We saw Joseph get a very similar red card earlier in the year. This was a little softer. The same thing was not called like a day later in Red Bulls NYCFC. Right. You know, I thought, um, yeah, I, th- I thought this ref was bad in general, which in MLS is not really saying much. I heard, but I heard the folks on the radio uh, said something to the effect of he should never work in this sport again, <laughs> which is like real damn harsh. Wow. But uh, man, I, 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 I can get it. I guess I can get the anger. <laughs> I mean, it, it struck me how honestly I was thinking this before the scuffle ever came about there was a he gave uh, Mateus Rosetto a yellow card for a foul that was clearly you know Mateus Rosetto just bringing somebody down because he wanted to break up play but it was kind of ridiculous to me like it was Mateus Rosetto's first foul he had been calling fouls like crazy on Toronto who had fouled Marcelino Moreno nine times in the game Mm -hmm. not at that point but they were just they were fouling Atlanta United a lot Mateus Rosetto brings one guy down and the yellow card comes out immediately. That was frustrating. You could tell Rosetto was frustrating about it, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I let me just first of all, give a shout out to my employer, 99 The Game, for being on site with the broadcast there, because yeah. <laughs> I went back and listened to the Off the Woodwork podcast that they do. That's like the recap postgame show. And they were actually able to break down a lot of what happened and nobody else really could because Mm -mm. so much was going on that like wasn't on the cameras or there was just so much going on. The camera could only be at one on one thing at one time. So I kind of I felt really bad for the TV broadcasters who were, you know, uh, doing the game remotely from Mercedes Benz Stadium and they couldn't really they just didn't have a chance to follow the action. So um, if anybody does want the kind of blow by blow details, I would recommend them uh, check out the off the woodwork podcast. If they haven't already to hear Mike and Jason kind of talk about it and discuss what they saw, because they would have had better eyes on it since they were seeing the actual field itself than anybody. Um, But yeah, um, we got Rob Valentino and Michael Bradley in the same camera shot at one point. So that proves that they are different human beings. Uh, uh, We needed that. We needed that. The whole thing kind of felt like, you ever seen Hot Rod? Yes. Well, no, you know, I haven't. I haven't seen the whole movie, but I, I've I've seen cl- part, parts of it, and I know what you're talking about. There's a scene where they're they're walking triumphantly towards uh, the the final event, the final climax of the movie, right? Like, and and everyone's singing, and everyone seems happy, and like everything's going so positively, and then it just evolves into essentially what's like a, a looting riot, <laughs> you know? And that's yeah. what this felt like. It felt like the game was just kind of going along, and then all of a sudden there were were TVs being thrown through windows and, and scraps going down and. <laughs> All sorts of things that were completely unexpected and, and seemed unmerited because, again, we couldn't tell and what I, was going on. I think Josie had a role in this, too. Like he had done like some jerk move that he tends to do. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. It seemed like uh, it seemed like Toronto was maybe acting out a little bit. It, yeah. It's been a rough year. It, it's it was. I mean, year. it was they were, you know, their season was on the line, to be fair. So it's kind of like what, like the caged animal type of situation where it's like you're the cornered animal where it's like they got to fight out um, yeah. or else they were going to, you know, they ended their their season did end up, you know, they were officially eliminated with the result. But I, maybe that's one of the reasons why we saw all the feistiness. But um, yeah. Yeah, it was wild. Uh, the the end result is that Ezekiel Barco will be suspended from the game. By the way, I was just looking at the match report on my phone and uh, <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that Aro and Barco got minutes in like back or got their red cards in back to back minutes. Like it was like eight. One was 83. One was 84. So it was like, was the red card like given to one person with like 59 seconds on the clock and turned around <laughs> one second later? 
That'd be cool if it was, but uh, it'd yeah. Be neat. It'd be neat. But Barco's expected neat. to not play tomorrow. Uh, pending, yeah. pending an appeal, which Gonzalez said they're, they're not going to win. Yeah, not, yeah, he's not going to win in that situation. Win, it would have to be so clear cut, and it, that yeah. is clearly not a clear cut situation. I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. We've been wrong before, but the general rules that you kind of don't win those. Yeah. Unfortunately, fortunately, fortunately for Lane and I, Brad Gazan made maybe one of his best saves of the year. Brad Gazan, we kind of me. Me, I derided. I'm going to bring you into this. I derided him a bit earlier in the year with the shot stopping ability. That's been noticeably better, I think, and the stats back that up this year. He, he's been good. He's been oh, are the he's stats the showing him having a better they year this year than usual? Yeah, for sure. Where, where he's well, been one of the lower rated uh, goalkeepers um, as far as shot stopping goes. He's been a little better this year and at least, I think, above above league average, which is I, solid. Again, I, I'm you're kind of more up, up to uh, aware of the stats than I am, but I have to think that just having a more solid defense in front of him and any goalkeeper really is going to help your your shot stopping ability because one thing in 2020 that I kept on seeing from him was, you know, he would he would uh, be having to attempt saves and his feet weren't set. And like if his feet aren't set, I feel like the reason for that is because shots were coming in when they shouldn't have been coming in. Like like the, like defenders should have been closing things down and preventing shots from certain situations. And that was really affecting Guzan. So dude, I get that. That's my that's my defense of Brad Guzan or maybe some sort of explanation as to why he's been better this year. But um, yeah, no, that was a huge save because the result, I mean, it was still one nothing at that point. If he doesn't make that big save, that totally flips the result. And I doubt Atlanta United ends up getting the win because Toronto would just sit back and bunker in after that. They'd be they'd be below the playoff line right yeah. now if it doesn't make that save. Most yeah. likely, most likely, uh, unless Marcelino Molina Marino was always going to score uh, the goal, he ended up scoring in this one, which it sure went in. It sure <laughs> went in. It was a very Marcy goal where you feel like, man, has he done anything good? And then like flukes into doing something good just because he was in the right position at the right time and. Rolled the ball past somebody. There we go. That's he, all you need he to do. He threw his body at the ball, and the ball yeah. <laughs> found its way into the back into the back of the net. Old Daisy beautiful. cutter, beautiful two nothing there at that point, and that was your final result. Atlanta United now nine wins, one draw, three losses in the last fourteen games. Like we said, it's the second best record over that span, over the fourteen game span uh, since August first in MLS. So real, real good team is good. Team is talented. It's not perfect. There are still things that could be corrected. You just don't fix those things overnight. You probably don't fix those things until the off season, hopefully. But it's a team that can not only make the playoffs, but but get in. And from there, you never know what could happen. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of us have been predicting or expecting Atlanta United to go up there and, and beat Toronto, considering where they are in the table. But, you know, I think it's worth pointing out that going into the game, they had had three wins and a draw in their last four games. So they were on I think their hottest stretch of the season uh, up to that point. So it's not like they were beating a team that was like there was a difference between beating Toronto or versus beating a team like FC Cincinnati, which is like, Mm -hmm. I mean, both teams are in terrible positions in the table. But I think just looking at their current form, there's a major difference between those two teams. So um, I think it was, you know, it was a good win. Good for the confidence to go on the road, get yourself back on track, get get that winning feeling when you on the road where where you haven't had that in quite some time. So um, good for the good for the confidence, good for the 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 position in the table, all that stuff. Just a just a very good result. Very productive weekend. Now they're heading to face NYCFC. It's going to be here at home. And, and again, I, I like can't stress how bad this team has been over the last 
few weeks. So it, um, I know yeah, they lost. Ahead. I know they lost Tenor Home. Um, that was with, only recently. Yeah. Okay. So, this, know, so they were I mean, they were struggling before that. They were struggling I'm just, before I'm, that. Do you know? Do you have any theories as to why no, they've been struggling I so badly? I really don't. <laughs> I mean, I maybe maybe Doyle does, or, or someone can can kind of clue me into that. Um, they've been extremely unlucky overall. As far as expected goal differential goes, they're second in the league, I believe, at this point in expected goal differential. But I mean, they haven't been quite as unlucky as like LAFC, right? LAFC are going to be historically unlucky by the end of the year. They're already second in uh, their goal differential minus expected goal differential, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, But NYCFC is kind of up there. It's not quite the same, but I operate on the principle that if a team shows you who they are over and over again, you eventually got to believe them. Mm-hmm. Even if the underlying numbers suggest otherwise. Mm-hmm. And now this team isn't even scored. And like I said, it, it's been 419 minutes since they've scored a goal. That's crazy. Um, they, the last team they beat was Cincinnati. Yeah. Right? I'm just, I'm just looking at, at it now. That's their last win. They've got since two. September they've got, began. They've got two wins in their last 11 games. And one mm-hmm. is a two, one win over Cincinnati. The other is a two, nothing win over new England, <laughs> new England. What in the world? That makes me, uh, but it blew my that, mind. That was way back that. on August 20 though so that's i mean that's not even kind of representative of who they are they're definitely they are definitely struggling as you would that that goal streak that they're currently on um would indicate so and atlanta exactly. united is a is a drastically different team at home so i would expect atlanta united to come out and put in a, a good performance and i would expect them to to get the win against what we've been saying that this is the toughest game left on their schedule this year but i mean considering the current not, four maybe now not. it's red bulls yeah, maybe it's red bulls yeah yeah that's what I've, I've got a little bit more to say to ribbles um well when we come back from the break actually it's gonna be our first question excellent excellent let's do that right now before we get back to the show did just want to remind everybody that this episode of five strike finals brought to you by lucid fc that is lucid footwear and clothing you can visit them online at lucidfc.us and i highly recommend you go to their website to actually view the clothing because there's no way i can accurately describe to you within this short time frame the kinds of clothing that they have to offer it's very unique. That's the only thing I'll say. But beyond that, you're going to have to go check it out for yourself. But I highly recommend that you do because you will not see anything like it anywhere. They've got everything to cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. Literally, they've got all kinds of different clothing, including masks and anything else you would need for uh, the pandemic, of course. Definitely recommend you checking them out. They are local, too. A couple twins are the founders here from Atlanta. Uh, you can visit them at their shop at in Atlanta at 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest. It's behind the Whole Foods and Buckhead. Really good guys. I met them before and really cool company that they've got going so definitely recommend everybody check it out lucid fc that's lucid footwear and clothing and you can visit them online at lucidfc.us use dss at checkout for free shipping wow what a break what an incredible break the best break single breast break could ever happen christian from the discord ask assuming atlanta next playoffs which two teams do we least want to see and why i want to credit christian here because i kind of wrote the entire newsletter today for MLS based uh. around this kind of question. I kind of picked which team uh, each team wanted to avoid. And I know I picked a team for Atlanta United, but <laughs> oh, it was Philadelphia. It was clearly okay. Philadelphia to me. Um, Philadelphia just seems to not only have a psychological advantage over the team, they just seem to set up well tactically yeah. against this team. You know, yeah. they, they make things so, so difficult in midfield. And their strongest point is Atlanta's weakest point. And when you have a team like that, that can make things really difficult. I think... People would be inclined, I think, just kind of based on past history to to maybe say a, a Red Bulls or like a DC or a high pressing team mm-hmm. like that. Right. But Atlanta really has done pretty well against high pressing teams so far this year. I mean, you look at the results against DC or LAFC or, and teams like that. And those are solid. Those are wins. You yeah. know, 
Yeah. That's my thought. Well, I mean, I was I'm I, I'm glad we kind of have different answers for this. I was going to say Rebels just uh, you, you know, you talk about the psychological advantage. Uh, I know that Atlanta United has that advantage uh, when it comes to big playoff games against Red Bulls. But um, yeah, I mean, they're just a team that's in really good form in general. And I could definitely see them sneaking their way up into the playoffs. I mean, they have not really been in the conversation for much of the season. But what are they? Two points out of a playoff spot right now? Something like yep. that. So, I mean, the way this East is going, they could definitely make their way in. Um, interestingly, you know, a win against Atlanta United in the run into the season might very well help them do that. Um, so they're a team I would want to avoid. One other one I'll throw out there that I was thinking about last night as I was watching Monday Night Football or the the post game show was Nashville. The game was Nashville, yeah. the, ga- the game was uh, was in Nashville, and I was just thinking, man, that field is getting chewed up by an NFL <laughs> game, and that is yeah. not somewhere I would want Atlanta United to have to go on the road and play uh, at least because yeah I mean I think that that field it's going to be interesting to see how teams deal with that situation because I cannot imagine that teams are going to be able to play tiki taka you know liquid football uh, on a field that <laughs> NFL is being played on unfortunately a grass field I should say because obviously sure. that happens here for sure, sure. Uh, Atlanta United's record against Nashville two draws and a loss uh, they do play pretty well against us and going there would be extremely extremely difficult they've been a great home team so far this year there was a red bulls game earlier in the year it was nothing nothing i didn't remember it i had to look it up um (laughs) can't remember a thing about it i do remember the philadelphia losses though those hit pretty hard yeah uh the the last one especially i think was a bit demoralizing because the team was and in good form up until that point, yeah. Philadelphia really, really did shut them down. So on, it's a great on, question on Nashville, too. I would say that, like, you know, having the chewed up field, I feel like plays right <laughs> into their hands like that, like they because they don't play like they they kind of like the they embrace the the griminess. Uh, yeah, but they'll slow down and, and fight you in a phone booth. Right. Yeah, sure. exactly. For sure. Um, um, by the way, I do have we do have some breaking news. Joseph Martinez is training today. That good. comes from Doug Roberson. So there you go. Thanks, Doug. Uh, John Leach from the Discord asks, is the 514 still the default formation with everyone healthy? I'm still not confident in its viability, especially in a playoff setting. I am more confident in its ability to be effective when the fullbacks are getting the ball in areas to make us to make things happen, to create chances and acting quickly on those impulses to make those chances. Right. When George Bella and Brooks are there playing the ball early, uh, Atlanta's getting numbers in the box. I think it's fine. Right. I I am concerned a bit, of course, about the midfield. We're just going to be concerned about the midfield. I think that's just this team's MO at this point. But I feel much better about things when the fullbacks are are doing things that cause the other teams to to panic and make quick decisions defensively. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that the the five one four um could be viable at home more so than on the road. I, I I really do feel like one of the reasons that Atlanta United was able to pull out that result and generally looked like they played a better game overall than they have on the road uh, recently is because they had Mateus Rosato in, in that starting lineup alongside Santiago Sosa in midfield. I, I just really think that that those two give this team a lot of solidity that helps in those situations. And it's just weird to say that I think that this team might be at its best with Mateus Rosetto in the starting lineup instead of, you know, name a name a player. It doesn't really matter. But like, obviously, <laughs> like I think Marcelino Moreno is the one that, you know, will clearly be identified as the player that that 
would be kind of bumped out of a starting lineup. But um, you know, you could you could play with 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 Santiago Sosa and and Mateus Rosato and Marcelino Moreno if you play in a back four as well. But it just doesn't that doesn't seem like it's it's something that um, is really kind of a you know a top tier option for Gonzalo Pineda unless the, he's the chasing three, a goal. The three center backs are the safety blanket. Yeah. yeah. You know, exactly. It's a safety yeah. blanket for the whole team right now. So I, I just don't think they're going to get away from it. So I trust that a little bit more at home. You know, when you feel like you can play the kind of game that you want and you just have those center backs kind of sweeping up, we've seen them dominate opponents who would try to counterattack them at home just with their sheer speed and physicality. Um, I think that that can work for you. But I, I would say on the road, I would want Mateus Rosetto. I would want a second central midfielder next to uh, Santiago Sosa in that lineup. It's not a bad thought. It's not a bad thought. And something to point out too is this team is getting so much healthier. They're they're healthier than maybe yeah, they've been true. all season. You know, you do have Franco Abara. Got Franco Abara back. Yeah, you're getting Sadich back. I think at some point. Uh, you know, there there are options. Mo they're, Adams is there. It, it gives know? Gonzalo Pineda a lot more choices as to how he can make tactical decisions in games. You know, if he wants to get more defensive, he can bring on a guy like Franco Ibarra to really just solidify midfield. If he wants to open things up, he can bring on some other players as well. So yeah, I agree with you. That's going to be a real help to Atlanta United here. All right. T-Roll from the discord asked a lineup question. Damn you T-Roll. If the Barco red card holds up and if Joseph can't play on Wednesday, how would you guys set the starting 11 information versus NYC? FC. So let's let's assume we're missing Barco and Joseph. Um, I think maybe Jake Mulraney gets a start. And okay, this is hard. This is hard. And it's bad radio. See, I, I don't. To me, it, it seems pretty straightforward. Which is that you you pretty much roll with the same team. Maybe I'm maybe I'm missing something. But could you just essentially roll with the same team that you just played against Toronto? Except you essentially move Marcelino Moreno into. Because Marcelino but, Moreno is already kind of playing for Joseph, so you could just move sure. Marcelino Moreno onto the left, which we we kind of have agreed that that's not really a great spot for him. But if you're shorthanded, you know you could you could do that. But you're essentially you're playing Marcelino Moreno in for Barco, and then obviously Joseph is back in at striker. So um, I don't know. That's kind of the way I would I would set well, it up. Joseph is out in this scenario. Oh, in the, oh, in this scenario, Joseph's out. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see the issue um, now. That that, that the problem, that's yeah. the thing I was not. Right. Uh-huh. That was me misreading the question. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Cubo exists. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, he on, the bench? was he on the bench for the for the game? I don't know. I, don't, I think so. I think he was. Maybe. I think he was. He's probably Conway was not. Somebody. I think Conway played with the twos that night. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think he'd probably have to resort to one of those. Not a, yeah, I was going to say Eric Lopez, but not Eric Lopez. Yeah, I don't think you have another choice, honestly. Yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> this could be. God, thank Joseph, God. Joseph, help us. Be on the field, now. please. Yeah. I, I think, I, he I think he'll play. Yeah. Um, Niall, not excuse me, Niall Farouki from the Discord uh, says, "Can we say that Atlanta versus Toronto is a rivalry? A lot seems to be at stake between these two teams, along with bad blood. I don't, as of as a uh, employee of MLSsoccer.com, mm. we we do throw the R word around mm-hmm. quite a bit, <laughs> quite a bit. Um, and, and it's I think fun, there's like right? four like, it's not like a, rivalry weeks per season, something like that. Yeah, I think it's every week. Who knows <laughs> yeah. at this point." Um, it's fun. I, I I laugh at people who are like, "How dare you call this a rivalry?" Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, it's it hasn't had a hundred years of blood feud between it. You know, <laughs> there's no whatever Oaken bucket or yeah. battle axe to play for. Exactly, exactly. I, people get a little too in their feels about that. Um, but I guess if we were gonna like take a hardcore look at this, I don't know if I don't know if the the fan bases feel that way, and I don't know if there's enough 
turnover between the teams to to make it that specifically you know yeah it, uh, it's it, tough i mean i think that yeah these teams i think for the fans when, when we're talking about like rivalries um in sports or at least in mls specifically because there is so much turnover uh on the teams between the players I do think it, it comes down to like how fans feel about it more so than like how players feel about it. I do think that players might get a little bit more up for games against Orlando because I think that they understand that the club makes a big deal about that um, in terms of marketing and everything. And Joseph has clearly embraced that one, that matchup in particular. So maybe there's a little bit more of that for Orlando, but I generally don't think that the players think about these things as much as fans do. So I think if, if fans, I think there is a certain rivalry aspect to to this uh, to the Toronto matchup between fans because if you go back to what was it 2017 or 2018 when the United States had just been knocked out of the World Cup and turned down Tobago and there was a lot of angst against Michael Bradley and Josie Altador for their roles in that um, and of course there was like the the biggest loser poster with their faces on it Mercedes Benz <laughs> Stadium so I do think that you know like I think that the fans like at least Atlanta fans see it as kind of heated um but there's it was animosity there i'm not gonna pretend they're like there's not but yeah, yeah like i don't know have you met a toronto fan right yeah i know exactly right <laughs> uh and, <laughs> like, and, I, and i don't think that like the scuffle that ensued saturday night was like down to some deep-seated hatred for each other it was because the game was like really poorly refereed and maybe somebody's involvement it. was to some extent but even that just seemed like he was just stepping in to defend his teammates right yeah like, yeah yeah it, it Probably not that big a deal, but hey, you know, if you want to call it a robbery, you go ahead. I am not here to gatekeep that right, word. That's how I and am I, too. I, I can't, you know. Yeah, I can't. Um, I mean, I, 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 I will. I will just say, I always say, I use the word rivals very liberally. I'll always say, like, if I'm writing something, I'll be like, they're Eastern Conference rival. If it's somebody else in the Eastern Conference, they're a rival because they play mm-hmm. each other all the time and they're fighting for the same things. So, uh, yeah, use it how you, however you interpret it. If you want to use it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I know you've always felt a deep seated hatred towards the Charleston battery too. So I know that, uh, you know, if if we're playing them, you're going to drop arrivals in there too. Just use it whenever you want. Just whenever you want. Who was, uh, they had a, they had a great player on Charleston battery, had a player named, uh, Ricky Garbanzo. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Hated him too. Yeah. (laughs) Never liked Garbanzo beans. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, all right. Uh, I love that you have this from Robert anger. Uh, I think his, like, uh, his tag in discord is RBT underscore E N G R, which is like robot engineer. I think is what it is. Oh, okay. I'm just throwing, we're going to call him Robert. I'm just throwing vowels in to complete complete the name. That's all I, (laughs) (laughs) so yes does the camaraderie from banding together in a scuffle like on saturday override the cost of losing barco for a game uh i think we're looking too much into things there i would rather just have zeke on the field i guess you get like some camaraderie from being in a fight but it's not like those guys didn't like each other beforehand you know they get along like it was hilarious (laughs) being at training the other day watching them just give each other shit for doing a drill you know Mm -hmm. um it's constant it's a good vibe it's a good vibe around the team right now uh, maybe the fight helps that even more, but I wouldn't look too much into it. Yeah, I, I hate to kind of throw cold water on this um, because I really want there to be camaraderie from the fight. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that losing Barco is, is a pretty big loss. Although I will say 
maybe just on the topic of, of, of Barco's absence, you know, it's kind of similar to how we've discussed with Joseph, maybe not a bad time to be forced into resting Barco. I mean, he's been playing a lot. I mean, well, I guess they did just come off an international break where they haven't really been playing and he was able to recover, but um, he has played a lot of minutes for Atlanta United. So you want him, but maybe not the end of the world, especially against a, a team in NYCFC that's really struggling, but you'd rather have Ezekiel Barco on the field for you. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, we'd rather have you on the field and ready to go, Jeff Patrick, for rapid fire. Christian asks, which player in the current roster is likely to full out headbutt someone mm. to the ground? Uh, I mean, Joseph's probably right. Like, I was, anger-wise. I was gonna He's say never, Brett. like, acted physically too much to people, but, like, yeah. you know. I think Guzan. The potential's there. I think Guzan. Guzan is there, too. Yeah. He's got that nice, yeah. bald, you know, God, really. Probably, like, the person would probably explode on impact. Could you imagine? <laughs> he would a probably... lot of force coming there. <laughs> There's there's a Franco Escobar joke in here somewhere about Frank. Oh, rest in peace. Brad Guzan, mm-hmm. headbutting. Uh, Tony asks, who shot first, Barco or Aro? Um, I think I think Aro came into the foul, right? Like uh, I think that kicked it off. Yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Aro. Yeah, I think Aro Aro is the instigator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Patrick asks, would you rather fight eleven Aros or eleven or one Rob Valentino? <laughs> Oof. Rob was really uh, in there. He was really in the in the mix. He was, and he's not, a, not he's a, a not big a, dude. He's he like well built. He's yeah. kind of like got dad strength on him too. I think yeah. that is a scary prospect. Uh, Aro not that big, I don't think. Uh, but eleven dudes, you never want to fight eleven. That's true. Yeah, that's, you know, that's I'm, I'm going to take the one person to take my chances. Give me a broom handle, and I might take the I might take the eleven Aros. But without that, I'll take the one the one person, the one individual, no matter who they are, even somebody as intimidating and uh, physically imposing as Rob Valentino. And Robert asked, did Dave Roberts go full Chris Armis? The, it has seemed like really galaxy brain, the opener stuff, for sure. Especially like with just like Scherzer's right there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Just like let him do the thing. Yeah. You know? it, there's been some interesting moments there. It was wild. Sure, and then but, bringing, uh, in his game for, bringing in his game four starter, Luis Urias, in the eighth inning of That's game right. two. Just uh, I, for shits and giggles, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's not like their bullpen is bad either. That's I know. The thing. It, yeah. I mean, you're not like throwing out like early season will smith out there every time you yeah. know it's weird have you seen Are the you? have you seen the meme of like a person sitting in a church pew with one person holding a gun to their head behind them and then another person holding the uh-huh. gun behind them and then there's like somebody up in the balcony like sniping them i saw somebody like that it was like dave roberts overthinking dave roberts thinking his uh, thinking about his overthinking <laughs> overthinking the thinking about his overthinking <laughs> this is good brilliant brilliant I don't, I don't know if i can declare that full chris armis though uh not not yet not yet it's a little too early Elena was up to nothing last year <laughs> yeah as well. it would really have to cost them you know pretty much every every hope and dream that they have for it to be exactly. full chris armis and also ruin his career i don't think we're there yet <laughs> yeah i don't think wow. we're there yet <laughs> so and that was rapid fire joe any thoughts before we get out of here uh no it's just gonna be a, a crazy crazy schedule um and i apologize i'm you know with braves going on i'm kind of kind of caught between two worlds here but um it should be a really fun uh run into the rest of the season there's only like three weeks left less than three weeks left amazing. crazy amazing we're almost there you're almost there we're gonna make it and then we're gonna then we're gonna do some playoffs i think I think we're going to do some playoffs. We'll have some stuff Hell up yeah. on patreon.com slash five stripe final. Go check out everything on dirtysouthsoccer.com. Go check out the newsletter at mlssoccer.com slash newsletters. And uh, yeah, just just go check out Kurt. Go check out Kurt. How about everyone go to check out Hell Kurt? Yeah. Kurt yeah. Castle on Spotify. Let's check him out. How about that one? We'll end there. Let's go. Bye all. Bye.